0: Welcome to ESA Explorers, an official podcast of the European Space Agency. You're listening to our Beyond series.
1: In this series, we take you behind the scenes of ESA astronaut Luca Parmitano's second mission to the International Space Station. I'm Ali Kohler.
0: And I'm Stephen Ennis. Let's go beyond.
1: Today, the focus is on science. If you've been following Luca on Twitter, you will have seen numerous pics of all the experiments he's involved in just a few weeks after arriving on station. Luca is particularly busy in these early days, as many of the human physiology experiments he's involved in, like Grip and Grasp, which you might recall from Alexander Geest's mission, require him to carry out the first round of in-space testing before he fully readapts to his new home in space.
0: To guide us through the work that goes into performing science on the International Space Station, we are talking today to two experts, Chloe Audus of ESA's International Space Station Research Planning Team and Marco Carano of ESA's Astronaut Training Team. Chloe and Marco work behind the scenes alongside many others to make sure European science experiments on the International Space Station run smoothly. Our first guest is Chloe. Her role involves looking at how ESA experiments are planned for the International Space Station over the long term. With so many science activities happening on the world's only orbital laboratory, it can be a bit of a juggling act.
1: ESA's planners work with their peers at partner space agencies like NASA, RODS Cosmos, the Canadian Space Agency and the Japanese Space Agency. They also work with principal investigators for each experiment to balance crew time with science requirements on board. During Luca's mission, he will support more than 50 experiments over two six-month increments, known as Expedition 60 and Expedition 61. Chloe joined me via Skype to talk about some of the science Luca will carry out during his time in orbit.
2: On board the ISS, we carry out science in a wide range of science disciplines. They can be divided into six main areas, biology and biotechnology, uh, physical science, human research, Technology Development and Demonstration, Uh, we also have Earth and Space Science, and lastly, Educational and Cultural Activities, and LUCA will be involved in experiments in all research disciplines. For example, we have uh, two experiments in human physiology that are focusing on the central nervous system. They are called GRIP and GRASP. GRIP studies the effects of microgravity on our dexterous manipulation. So how the nervous system controls movements and forces we apply when we're manipulating objects with the hand. GRASP on the other hand, focuses on how the central nervous system uses information from the environment, from what we see, from what we hear when we want to grab an object. So we're trying to understand how the brain draws information from these different sources to aid the end-eye coordination. And the science team is also trying to understand if gravity serves as a reference to align all this information. In the field of biology, we're going to perform an experiment called Biorock, so in in microbiology, and it looks at the impact of altered gravity on biofilms that are formed by microbes on solid rocks. The science team is trying to understand if altered gravity has an impact on the interaction between microbes and mineral. And to answer these questions, they will grow specific bacteria on slides of rocks for about 21 days, under zero g, uh, one g, and uh, Martian gravity.
1: Biorock, we've heard a little bit about that. So that is something that could potentially help us when we go to explore other planets. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what else is he working on?
2: We have another experiment called ANALOG-1, which is an hybrid investigation between robotics and human research. It's both a technological and scientific investigation that uses an advanced and highly intuitive human-robotic interface. And during the experiment, we will be simulating an exploration mission to Moon or Mars, and Lika will operate a rover located at an analog site on the ground. He will make it the terrain, and he will collect rock samples with it. The experiment will also look at the interaction between the astronaut and the ground and uh, will evaluate how the ground and the astronaut make decisions uh, to select the most interesting geological samples
1: fantastic with so much science there must be a lot to plan and schedule so what might a typical day of science look like for luca during beyond
2: so the bulk of the activities usually starts between seven and eight in the morning the day is kicked off by a short planning conference between the ground control centers and the astronauts on board the station. During that conference, the ground teams and the astronauts discuss their daily plan and the procedures. And then all the astronauts have access to a timeline, a personal timeline that tells them exactly what they have to do during the day. So after that morning conference, they simply go and perform whatever activity has been assigned to them. Uh, But it can be a science activity, systems maintenance, exercise, can be a PAO event or even a medical conference with the flight surgeon. And then at the end of the day, another short conference is also held between the ground control centers and the astronauts to wrap up the day. But science-wise, I would say that there's no typical day on board the station, and every day really looks different. An astronaut can support an experiment as a simple operator. Or it can also be involved as a real guinea pig, for example, being a subject for a human physiology experiment. Uh, so really, um, every day looks different.
1: Great. And I think Luca is a guinea pig, as you say, for a few experiments. Yeah, he's involved
2: in many human physiology experiments. Uh, For these experiments, we're um, uh, looking specifically at the changes that occur at the very beginning of his mission. So he just arrived on board and he's involved in the first sessions and his planning is, is very busy at the moment.
1: Absolutely. So how do you coordinate it? What goes on behind the scenes to get the experiments happening up there and scheduling them?
2: The European Space Agency publishes uh, what we call Announcement of Opportunities uh, to encourage science teams to propose new science experiments for the space station. And anybody working for a European research institution can apply to this Announcement of Opportunities. They are released on average every five years. Then all the proposals that I've received are being evaluated and they go through uh, rigorous peer and technical review. Once an experiment has been selected, it then goes through hardware procurement and development phases, it also undergoes uh, different testing and it can, um, it has to comply with safety requirements. So depending on how much time it takes to develop an experiment, then we insert it sooner or later in their long-term planning. And during his mission, Luca will actually not only perform experiments that have been selected via regular announcement of opportunities, we have also included a batch of experiments that have been proposed by the Italian Space Agency specifically for his mission. So then the long-term planning is divided into periods of six months that we call increment. And as we get closer to the start of an increment, we need to define specific aspects such as uh, development of scientific procedures. We also need to train the astronauts on ground to make sure that they're ready to perform the experiment on orbit. We have to identify the vehicle that will launch the experiment and bring it to the station. For example, if we want to perform an experiment with Luca as soon as he arrives on board, we need to make sure the hardware arrives at the same time as he does or a little bit before. So we assign a launch vehicle accordingly. And then the day-to-day planning for a six-month increment is worked really well in advance typically we start building it two and a half months before the start in collaboration with the planners from other space agencies and then this planning is being reviewed at different points in time to check that all the science requirements are properly implemented or to accommodate last minute changes so we we'll review this planning one month in advance then seven days and three days and then finally one day before execution the timeline that Lucas sees every morning has been really thoroughly uh, thought and double checked.
1: Well, I've heard that some of the activities or perhaps all of the activities are planned down into 5-minute time slots, is that correct?
2: Yeah, it's it's planned basically to 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 the hour or to the minute. Some experiments are more crew time consuming than others. Some activities can indeed uh, take only 5 minutes and and others can take some hours. They really depend on the protocol but it's blunt to the minute.
1: A lot of work on your side then as well. But there's not just the experiments that he's involved in, there's also other experiments that run without astronaut involvement. How do those operate?
2: Exactly, we have some experiments that require little or no crew intervention. So to give you an example, We have an experiment called ASIM, stands for Atmosphere-Space Interactions Monitor. Um, And this is an Earth observation facility that was installed on the external payload platform of the Columbus module in 2018. And it studies severe thunderstorms and their role in the Earth's atmosphere and climate. And this is completely operated from the ground. So we, we are not asking astronauts to do any activities related to that. Another example is Vessel-ID, which is a technology demonstration system, and it consists of two external antennas, and it demonstrates the ability of a space-based radio receiver to identify ships in the ocean. So again, this payload is only operated from ground. Another Example that I can give is Dosis 3 d which is an investigation that studies radiation. Basically in the space station, crew members are continually exposed to varying levels of radiation, which can be harmful to their health. So the Dosis 3 d experiments is using several detectors to determine the radiation dose inside the ISS. And the ultimate goal is to build a 3D radiation map covering all sections of the station. And so these detectors are continuously monitoring the ISS rotation environment without any crew intervention. We are also downlinking the data on a monthly basis. The only thing that we need to do is to change from uh, time to time some of the detectors after a couple of months. So we ask crew members to retrieve the old detectors and deploy the new ones. But the rest of the time, uh, the payload runs unattended.
1: Great. So even when we don't have astronauts like Luca up there, we are still doing science. It's still a very active laboratory and a very special one indeed.
0: Organizing and handling the logistics for science experiments in the microgravity environment of low Earth orbit sounds just about as tricky as one might expect. Despite all the complexities involved in planning, it's really impressive to hear just how much science is performed on the ISS on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, planning is really important, but preparation is a must as well. Long before astronauts climb into their Soyuz spacecraft, they spend time learning the ins and outs of each experiment. For European experiments, Much of this learning takes place at ESA's Astronaut Centre in Cologne, Germany, where our next guest, Marco Carano, worked with Luca before his launch.
0: Marco is an ESA instructor for astronauts and flight controllers. Along with this, Marco is also a certified flight controller, working with the European Astronaut Centre Crew Operations Support Team, or ECOS for short. In my upcoming chat with Marco, you'll hear us talk about payloads and experiments. In this conversation, these terms are used interchangeably to refer to the same thing, science experiments. We also mentioned the phrase on console. This is a shorthand term for working a shift in an international space station control center. So without further ado, here's my interview with Marco Carano. Marco Carano, welcome to East Explorers. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Hey, hi, good morning. Thank you for having me
0: here. It's really great to have you here. So as a first question, How is crew training for science payloads organized in general?
3: Okay, yeah, that's a very interesting question. First of all, so the process is pretty long and uh, it's also a bit complex, but I'll try to summarize and make it easier for you. So it's all part of a ESA utilization plan, which of course ties pretty well with the NASA and overall utilization plan of the ISS. So at some point in time, uh, some payloads, some experiments are manifested and uh, ESA kind of selects this payload to be part of a specific increment mm-hmm. and uh, this all goes into a document which is very important for the ops world it's called uh, increment requirement documents it uh, basically defines all the requirements for a specific increment so uh, at this point with this increment requirement document we also get the idea from a training perspective what we want to train because we would know at that point also who are the astronauts that have uh, being assigned for that specific increment. Uh, we have a very important function here called uh, increment training leads uh, We have four increment training leads here at TAC, and they are basically responsible for the whole planning and implementation Of crew training you
0: can tell it's a complicated process when you're already I think three acronyms in at this yeah, point right? That's yeah, and that's <laughs>
3: not the end. I mean there, there is even more than that uh, so these guys these functions uh, they define Training requirements, the specific training requirements, uh, together with us instructors. They check together with us what makes sense or what needs to be actually trained and in which way. Like, do we need uh, really a classroom uh, type of lesson versus just a simple briefing or a refresher training? These kind of things.
0: Okay, and so. Um, Could you give me an idea of sort of the the working hours once you've figured out the training requirements and you've kind of coordinated on your side what needs to be trained and how you want to train it? What kind of effort goes into training crew for a science payload? So
3: when uh, we define the training requirements, we go from the definition of the objectives of the lesson. So as I said, it's a content type of decision, but also the way the lesson uh, should take place purely hands-on versus uh, some slides before, theoretical slides before. We actually usually have a standard format where we tell crew, um, well, the scientific background of the payload because they want to know. Maybe they don't want to go to too much detail in the scientific part of the payload, but it is good, it, it is interesting for them to know uh, what, why they're executing such a payload. And then we always have a hardware introduction part, and then we have a hands-on part, and then at the end a performance part where they have to perform
0: this. Right. So once you've divided up the instruction into the sort of four or five main phases with the different types of content that you want to teach, how much effort then goes into creating the content?
3: So to give you rough numbers, uh, I would say from three to six weeks. It pretty much depends on the complexity of the experiment, so of the involved hardware as well. Uh, You might have a very simple hardware um, and you might have something completely very complex uh, where you need to spend a lot of time. We are uh, the sort of um, interface between the scientists uh, or, so the P, or what you call the PI, the principal investigators, and whoever is uh, de- has developed the experiment, the hardware. So we are the interface between them and crew. So we are the messengers in a way. So we have to interface them a lot. We talk to them, we get the required knowledge, technical knowledge. So now what we have to do after this is to transfer or to make this a nice package, a simple and effective message to crew. So we are not supposed to go too much in too many details. So to keep it to a level that is efficient, effective to them and that they know what it is about, why they're going to execute it, what they're going to work with, so the hardware and uh, and how they're going to operate it.
0: So this is obviously Luca's second mission. Can you speak to then in general, how maybe training has evolved at the European Space Agency? How we've gone from 2013 and Luca's mission, Valari, and then how things have kind of changed, how maybe teaching methods have changed, or maybe the type of media that you're using has changed?
3: Yeah, sure. So the first big difference is in Luca himself, I would say, because he is now a flown astronaut. So his experience, his starting point is way different from what he had uh, back in 2013 when he started his uh, uh, assigned crew training. So uh, that's already a difference because this also um, triggers in us, you know, the, the need to change a little bit our style, so that we don't go to the same detail level of details as we used to do in 2013. We are much more to the point. Uh, so I would say this is a change in the form, if you want. Uh, of course, the training has also changed in the content because he has now different experiments, different objectives. Generally speaking, for his mission. So content-wise, he's getting training on different uh, payload, different experiments. Um, and there is one more thing that I would like to also mention. We have also changed as training division and instructors in general, we have also changed our, the, the, the range of our tasks and responsibilities. At ESC, we have recently established a team called ECOS, the ESC Crew Operation Support, that is a multi-divisional effort. It includes people from the training divisions or instructors. It includes people from the crew office and people from the medical division. So now we as uh, instructor, well, some of us, not all of us, but some of us are not just purely instructors. We have the possibility to also follow and support astronauts on console after they fly, which is a big difference from what we used to do in 2013, because mainly we as instructors were developing training providing training, wishing good luck, and then maybe or maybe not knowing about what an experiment was, how the experiment was going and what were the the results. Uh, Now, uh, there is a big difference uh, in the way that we can go, uh, if we are lucky, we can go on console and support the astronauts on the same experiment we have been training him. And this actually is uh, one thing that happened to me two weeks ago when I was on console for one of the ASI pilots support luca so this payload is called nutris it's in the field of nutrition and medical operations so i had the pleasure to train luca on nutris to follow so prepare all the mission before his launch and also to support him on console and i think that's just the best way to close
0: the loop that must be so satisfying, right? Yeah, so, so satisfying. When you actually went on console to support Luca, did you notice any like mistakes in your training or you thought, "Oh, I wish I had emphasized that in training a bit more?"
3: No, I actually noticed that he went straight to the point and he executed the procedure perfectly. So I kind of was happy that uh he did it in the way I explained him. So no, I actually I, I was really it was extremely satisfying and uh, being there to uh being there just to, you know, see him and support him in case, was already really motivating and I really loved it.
0: And you got to see your training pay off firsthand, right?
3: Right, that's right.
0: So Marco, I've, I've covered the questions I'd like to ask today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up?
3: No, I'd just like to thank you for this. I hope I will be of uh, inspiration for someone else. Uh, I don't know, I will see, but uh, thank you for this.
1: That has to be thrilling, working with scientists and other experts to design training for astronauts. And then being able to watch your training pay off in real time as astronauts perform those experiments in space.
0: Absolutely. It was super interesting to hear from both Chloe and Marco today and get a whole new angle on space station science. Thank you for listening to the ESA Explorers Beyond series. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing from Chloe and Marco. This podcast is brought to you by the European Space Agency. You can learn more about Luca and his Beyond mission at lucaparmatano.isa.int. Tweet your questions or thoughts to at IsaspaceFlight using the hashtag IssaExplores. And of course, hit that subscribe button to stay up to date.